He did. Okay. Uh, Minisode. That's it. Fort Fairlane. Get it? Because that's the name of the car, but it's also his name. uh, I don't like women. Hey, everybody wants to fuck me. I'm mm. Andrew Dice so, Clay. For some reason. Jesus Christ. Hey. Oh. All right. Yeah. Uh, hello and welcome to the Catastrophe section, a mini-sode. My name is Aaron and with me, as always, is Cameron. And we're on a monumental landmark of our little podcast. And Aaron, what landmark am I referring to? Well, this was episode 69. Oh, oh. Yep. Oh, boy. So what better way to bring in such an unfortunately named number than to do one of the worst. uh, Well, what largely is considered one of the worst movies ever with one of the most vulgar comedians of all time. He's not even the most vulgar. He's just not funny, and he's a fucking prick. Like, he's just yeah, a douchebag, a shitty fucking person. He's a caricature of n- people who never existed, and it's just not funny, and I don't understand how anyone... If you look up clips of Andrew Dice Clay doing stand-up, people... S- fucking just jump out of their seats to applaud him they're like yeah i also hate women and don't like things and like he doesn't i don't get it was this who thought this was funny ever is basically my main complaint with andrew dice clay i also don't understand how he's popular in the 80s, like I understand the 80s were very like problematic in terms of oh, race yeah. and sex and gender oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. But I feel like he, so you know Lenny Bruce, right? Pushed the boundaries. He was kind of profane, talked about the perils and pitfalls of society. Right. I feel like Andrew Dice Clay thinks that he is Lenny Bruce, but without any of the charm, incisive critical commentary, or any class whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, He's half of his half of his jokes are naming a thing and then saying, "I fucked it." Like I that's think de- literally. Half I think of a detective in this movie actually says something along the lines of, "You think just because you have sex with beautiful women and that you solved that I don't know some piracy case that makes you hot shit?" And he's like, "Yes." Well, yeah, it does, or whatever. Yeah, basically. And then he says, oh, forever. And that's apparently his punchline. I guess. Oh, this movie has the worst voiceover in cinema history. It is him doing stand up into a microphone that oftentimes doesn't have anything to do with what's happening. Yep. Ford Fairlane will be walking into a bar and it'll be like, hey, I balled a girl in eighth grade that ate at a restaurant once, but she was a dog, but I fucked her anyway. Oh, oh, hey, oh, ah. Like he's just, it sounds like he's <laughs> like- practicing vowels. Like, I- fucking asshole. I mean, he probably was in between takes. Yeah, probably. 
And he calls himself the rock and roll detective because he's a detective who specializes in rock and roll. The, and the, the opening shot of this movie pissed me off to no end because usually noir heroes are supposed to be flawed human beings, but yeah. they're supposed to be, I don't know, good at their job yeah. or have some sort of redeeming quality. Like noir started because a lot of the early detectives were dealing with like a declining economy after the great depression, or they came back from world war two or Korea and were all fucked up or were dealing with alcoholism. He's, he has none of that. He's just an uh, asshole. Just a terrible person. Yeah. And the only person who is equivocal to his level of awfulness is Gilbert Gottfried's character, who is uh, who is in the movie for less than four minutes. Yeah, no. And he, he plays a nothing. shock jock named, what is it, Tommy or Johnny Crunch or whatever? Yeah, something like that. And he makes a joke about, your mother, she's under this desk and she's going to town on my dog. Like, yeah, like... The shock, like, he's not even, like, a shock jock, really. He's just a guy who yells on the radio. Like, a shock jock, I think he, I think Gilbert Godfrey, Godfrey plays, I don't know, two songs in this movie, like, and they're on in the background, obviously, but, like, he, he plays, like, a, a song or two. They're not even, like, controversial songs, and then he just talks about how people that you love are fucking him. That's literally his whole thing. That's it. That's all that uh, that uh, that character does, and then he dies by being electrocuted or something, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's a bit because he's ridiculous or something." On, on the radio, yeah, no, might he's I on add. air and saying, "Help, I'm being electrocuted," <laughs> and then and then everyone's like, "Oh, you know him? It's a bit," and then he walks in, and yep, electrocuted. And um, the open uh, one of the opening scenes where he goes where we learn who he is and how he fits into the world. He goes to like this shitty retro club yep. because it's the 1990, but like 1950s because of all the, you know, cause all of the well-written women in this movie who yeah. get so much to do based on like his opening monologue. He says, I'm for Fairland, the rock and roll detective. I can get into any club. Whoa. What was wrong? Was my fly undone? Because all the women looked and at him. Yep, and then he rolls rolls up to the club, and he says there are because we know that he fucks because there's a girl as soon as he walks in who says, "Hey, remember me from the jacuzzi?" Yep. Here's my number. Call me. And then when he gets to the other side of the dance floor, he says, "Whatever my sister said, it goes double for me." <laughs> Get it? Because they were sisters, and he had a threesome with them. Yeah, and. Because he fucks. Or she just wanted to fuck him anyway without previous experience or some bullshit. I mean, pretty much every woman in this movie pretty much just trips over their vagina to get onto Andrew Dice Clay's dick. Except like for the ones that are fat. Oh, yeah, I like guess. the ones who, who rent the... There is an athletic club for women underneath his private eye thing, and he's like, except for the fat chicks, they gotta pay more. Or whatever. Yeah, Some and bullshit. he has a line in the club where he says, I even had my own toll-free number, 1-800-UNBELIEVABLE. Yep. 
Because he always says oh. unbelievable. It's his one of his catchphrases besides oh, I dislike boy. women. That's his other catchphrase. <laughs> I think they are inferior unless they are involved with my penis. I will have intercourse with them, not necessarily consensual, but I don't like them either way. Like oh, that's literally Can we talk about how rapey yes. and lawsuitish like his relationship with his, his secretary? Yes, specifically with the secretary, yes. Oh my fucking and god! And it's played like, for laughs. Like he he like force kisses him her for more than ten seconds, and then he yep. has this line where he says, "Hey, you met my secretary," and then it, there's like a pause for but a ha ha ha. Get it? Because they they they. Uh. Yeah, I. The, the problem with this movie, that my main problem with this movie is it's just a mediocre movie. Like, the script was probably here before Andrew Dice Clay was anywhere near it. And then they're just like, hey, he's popular right now. Let's just throw him at it and all that bullshit. And like, hey, look, it works. And we just changed it slightly because it feels like um, he just wasn't involved except for writing himself like his, he wrote his own lines after he got like hired or something this is my guess i, I, I might be wrong but you know what i mean oh i i can definitely see that i could actually see john travolta doing this role yeah. in 1990 like a 1990 uh john travolta would have been perfect for this yeah. role because i don't know because apparently the main character is based on a series of stories of weekly serials in the New York rocker in 1979 and 80 sure. by this guy named Rex Weiner. But I doubt that he's that profane. They probably just adapted it to be like, Hey, yeah. he's crude. So hey, we, he's popular go. and we have him for a movie. Also Gilbert Gottfried is like short. And I did not realize that until I saw him in this movie because whenever he's in movies, he's like, either just a voice or like you know in like weird makeup or like you know, like you, you never just see Gilbert Godfrey you know what i mean he's either in like a shot or two or like like not even or just his voice so like actually seeing him like compared to another person next to him he looked he looked uh, different but yeah and another thing that makes this a piss poor noir movie is that he completely lacks any self-awareness there's or this skills or yeah, detecting it, or anything. He just kind of like, Oh, I happen to be there. He doesn't do detecting. No, like there's a plot involving three CDs from three different people. Yep. Also this movie fridges more women than I've seen in a long time. That Colleen woman, they walk in on a uh, Robert England's character who turns out to be the bad guy. Yep. The bad guy. And they just walk in and he just, she just sh gets shot to death, like yep. right in front of him. Just like, and she like 20 minutes of character development, then dead. All yep. to motivate Andrew Dice Clay. Because she was the red the herring. Hmm. Oh, no. And she did she have red hair? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, because uh, so I was, I was that would have been good though. Red, I would have red liked, hair, yeah. hair ding. Yeah, no, that would have been that would have been good. That would have worked. Also, he straight up murders three people, like not justifiably so, just murders. Yeah, like yeah. the the disco ball. The there's like a subplot at the beginning where there's this creeper guy who is after this group called 
the Pussycats or something. It's Josie and the Pussycats. That's what it is. Oh, they're just called the Pussycats in the movie, though. Right, but then he's like, oh, the main one, Josie. So it's just straight up them, supposedly. Oh, I guess they just wanted to do that without actually paying the royalties to handle Yeah, I mean, the... I'm sure it's... Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it's just like them or whatever. Um, Well, he oh, doesn't did die. You notice? He, he doesn't kill him, but he shoots... He has the like disco a, ball. Yeah, he's like too many assholes, too few bullets. And then there's one of them. This yeah. disco ball, which would be made out of like glass, yeah, not soft paper mache. The weird thing that I'm finding about Andrew Dice Clay <coughs> is that if he didn't like, if this character wasn't successful. The, the womanizing, terrible, you know what I mean? Like, if it was another character, I think he could actually have been a funny person. You know what I mean? Because there's, yeah. there's some parts in this movie where, like, he, if it wasn't, if the joke wasn't like, ah, women, I don't like them, or whatever, you know, like, where, like, he could actually deliver some well-written jokes if he had any. And I'm sure he does. They just don't work on this character, and this character is just garbage. It's like Larry the Cable Guy, like if Larry the Cable Guy, like before Larry the Cable Guy took off I, and he did a bunch of other characters and stuff like that, because he's a character, you know, um, that, that that's, I forget the guy's actual name, but whatever, like what if he Lawrence actually Lawrence the was, Cable Gentleman. Yeah, like what if what if um, Larry the Cable Guy's didn't work and then his next character was actually good and then, you know what I mean? Like It's Daniel Lawrence Whitney is his name. Yeah, yeah. But, like, I feel like Andrew Dice Clay, like, there's some parts in it where you can see, like, he has some physical comedy chops. They're not used here very well. But, like, if it wasn't attached to this just shit monkey character, then I think he could be okay. You know what I mean? And there, and the other thing about, going back to your point about the jokes, is that there aren't really jokes no. in this movie. No. The jokes are all the voiceover, and the voiceover is his stand-up and this character is supposed to be him, but you can tell that there's a world of disconnect between how he thinks the character is and how yeah. the character probably was in the script. Yes. And all the one-liners are just like, I don't know, you're fired as you immolate the bad guy with an alcoholic shake. Here you go. Yeah. Here's your Harlem shake. That Thanks to 2015. You're welcome. Or whatever the year that was. But um Do you need to dab your tears away? <laughs> sure. I think the um I did kinda like the uh the detective the other detective who you who did was in like a disco band. I thought that guy was kind of fun. I don't even remember that. Okay. The the uh, the detective that he has like a feud with. Like he meets him after Gilbert Godfrey dies. He's got a little mustache. It's the song about oh, yeah, like, butts. Yeah. It's just a really shitty disco song about butts that he starts singing midway through uh, their conversation randomly in front of like 20 people. <laughs> I thought that was kind of fun. I think the only part that I mildly chuckled at was when he when Ford is on the radio and there's some voice and he wins a radio contest to take his kid's sidekick, his... Um, making evidence and eventually going to yeah. sue se secretary now girlfriend and his pet koala on a cruise and the guy on the radio says you can't say shit on the radio oh shit now I just said it that was the only part that I laughed at yeah 
I didn't say I laughed. I said it like that character would have been funny or could have been funny. But like every time it was the guy that whenever Ford Ford got in contact with him, they were like, I'm not calling you an asshole. I'm calling you an anus. And he's just like, I'm only calling you that because it's what you are. And it's like, I'm only calling it because it's what you are. Like, just not 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 jokes. Also, I'm not sure that the villains. I do kind of remember that. I'm not also sure whether the antagonists of this movie are actually worse than Ford Fairlane because he's a terrible detective. Literally, the first 40 minutes of this movie are tertiary characters being like, hey, Mr. Rock and Roll Detective, are you going to take up the case of like the guy who OD'd at the concert or whatever the fuck at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, Everybody knows who he is. Everybody is suggesting cases to him. Why don't they just do it if everybody knows about it? He does not seem good at anything. And not to mention the one of the most horrendous scenes of the movie where he has those two women. I think they were the sisters who he one called him an asshole and he said another the satisfied customer. Oh, oh yeah, whatever. They get up and then there's a loud song playing and then they both get out and the kid shows like, oh, boy, Ford, you sure do sex a lot. And he's like, yeah, I do, kid sidekick. I hope nothing happens to you or you get beat up later. And then he gets beat up later. Yeah. Uh, also, this movie tries to be self-referential, like where he gives the woman who uh, is like, I guess I might consider seeing you again if you're serious. And he's like, "My take down my number. It's 555-6732. Five, 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 and she's like, Five five five. That's not a real number. That's from the movies. And he's like, "Well, we're not in the movies now, are we?" No, he's like, "Well, we're not in real life, are we?" Or whatever, some bullshit like that. Yeah. And there's just so much. We we're supposed to care about him as a character. Where he's like, "I could have been a fisherman if I was solving detectives." There, they're like, "Hey, Ford, I, I, my my tackle got." Kvatsed by somebody else. Help! But like he he, I don't think there's one part in this movie where you're like, oh, he's a human. Like every single scene, you're like just reinforcing he's shit at everything. Because the one thing he cares about most in this world, it's not the kid, it's not his secretary who he apparently is mildly in love with. It's not his boat or his house. It or or like any person or like a dog. It's his guitar. His guitar is literally the one thing he cares about. His guitar, his car, having sex, and the idea of having sex, as evidenced yeah. by the scene where he is hiding out in a sorority house filled with women who want nothing more than to have sex with him. Uh, evidently, yes. Yeah, and then he tells them about everything. And going back to the scene where the two women are about to leave his house after a night of I'm sure lowering their self-esteem and standards by a whole lot. He says, do my dishes. And then yeah, what one the of them fuck, said, man, Ford, we just need to be held. And he said, well, you got the bonus plan. Hey, cause they f- fucked. Yep. Also the, isn't the kid, the kid is like, find my father. And, and he has like a Flintstones ring. And then his oh, father yeah. turns about turns out turns out to be the creepy guy who's following the pussycats or whatever. 
Oh yeah, that is him. And then he shoots yep. him dead at the end of the movie. I don't think he does. Well, yeah, yeah, he does. I think something like that. Who cares? Be- because he took out a, gu- he threw his gun on the ground and pulled out a knife. And he's like, I'm gonna get you or something. I don't know. Who cares? Also, I love that the intro, like, they try to make somebody more abhorrent than Ford. Yeah. By making Gilbert Gottfried say, like, I want you to help find my daughter. There was this girl that I fucked. She was a pig, but I fucked her anyway. Yeah. Anyway, this is my daughter, but she could have been my sister. She's my daughter. Just go find her. Yeah. And then later, some other rich lady was like, hey, also find this same girl. And then Ford says in response to his, but I fucked her anyway, he says, yeah, I heard you started dating. Because <laughs> <laughs> dating for men is all about sex. <laughs> so funny. Oh, I do love some of the clunky exposition in this. One of, the line I was mentioning before, he said, the cop who's following the body trail behind Ford Fairlane's escapades says, yeah. You think you're so great because you have sex with attractive women because you brought down the Ensenada piracy ring? Yep. Oh, yeah. I do remember the detective that you were talking about because he sings booty time. Booty Booty time. time. That's what it is. Booty, 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 (laughs) booty time. Booty time. Yes, exactly. Booty time in the USA, right? Something like that, yeah, and it's just... Tra- See, that was kind of funny. I enjoyed that. Um, yeah, like, I honestly... It just feels like this was would have been fine with any other actor that didn't just, like, take over the script entirely. You know what I mean? Like, if it was someone who was likable, this would be, like, a decent little noir throwback with some silliness and, you know, like... But it's just this fucking jackass that nobody will ever like just just hating also, everyone ever and ugh. and it never decides whether it's a comedy or no. a drama it thinks it's a comedy but then it wants to have the stakes of a drama like a lot of the most successful dramas have comedic elements and vice versa yeah but this did not have any sort of pacing or tone that made us believe that like oh well here comes the levity yeah well, never mind here comes the comedy well, never mind. And we also have to see Andrew Dice Clay sing. Yeah, what the fuck was that? And Which he's is like, two shades you below. You know, I could have, I could have been a record. I could have been a musician if I knew more than one song. <laughs> Why and that's oh, it. Why did I choose the the music business? And that's I could have gone into a lot of different businesses. Fucking, I. T- <clears throat> yeah. Also, did it, can I mention the? homophobia and transphobia yes. of this movie. Oh my God. Where he's, he's talking about trans testicles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, his, his quote, not mine. I got a fag to give me, to decorate my apartment. He's like, I yep. ain't got nothing against it, but hey, there's trans testicles. Get it? Because, because I'm insensitive I don't and don't, un- works. Yeah. and I'm not even going to take time to learn the right word because it's, and also the misogyny of uh what what's her name connie coming over and she's like "Uh uh-oh and he's got like a boner he says he wakes up half an hour before i do and then he says roseanne bond naked all right it's down yeah 
Get it because she's on a track. Because she's yeah. <laughs> Basically. Oh, I also wrote down there's a line about someone being so rich that they know so much depravity that they walked in on their father with their prized horse when they were a kid. Yep. That was right before the boner comment. It was that it was the other lady who asks them to find the same girl. Because she, because after she says that, she's like, "Did that get you excited?" And he's like, "It's my boner!" Ha 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 ha. It is his boner. Ha ha ha. It's so funny. I drive a car that is my name. <laughs> For no, why? Why is the oh, fuck it? Oh yeah, and his song is "But I Ain't Got You." The end. Yep. Also, Gilbert Gottfried's boat, which could have been funny, was called the Mighty Penis. Yeah. Could have been funny. And also, what were all those things on there? Oh, it was just a bunch of like BDSM gear. Because remember, it was revealed that the rich girl oh, was, yeah. was, was, yeah. was fucking Gilbert Gottfried Johnny, on the Johnny boat. Crunch, yeah. Yeah. And those two like were the fucking. the VHS tapes yep. and the CDs. Yeah, well, one of the CDs, yeah. Also, there's some racism in here where there's the rapper who Ford's talking to near the beginning where he goes to his office before he, when he's has weirdo, I don't know the guy's name, who also would be dead because yeah. he went home with two women, locked him in his trunk, and he said, I can't breathe. Yep. So he was in there all night. Couldn't breathe, is still alive, and still can't breathe, so and can yet breathe, is still he, able. He, he can breathe a little. That's not how they established it. Well, obviously he said he couldn't breathe in there, but I mean he could obviously oh. he breathed a little. Well, so whoever the the rap still artist is, up. they're like they're like laying down like they're like oh, 1990 is going to be a good year if this happens. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you should talk to that record label to have him sign me. And then after they push Weirdo off the roof, he's like, hey, man, you wrecked my stereo. And then yep. all the black guys just beat up Weirdo because, you know, that's what that's they do. That's what if black people do. They just beat people up because, you know, racism is a why thing was, that... Yeah, why was... So Fort Fairlane goes to, like, the recording studio and there's, like a quote like, like kind of like a teen girl music man like his music is supposedly 14 girls or something and he's like yeah he's hey, like Justin Bieber of 1990 not being <coughs> you know yeah he's like Justin Bieber of July 1990 yeah and and he gets angry that he's like what the fuck is that guy smiling about and that's when his shitty song comes on which by the way there's a lighting change why would they have lights set up in a recording studio, you fucking jackasses? I know it's like, you know, mat, like magical realism kind of like, fuck it, he's singing now. So, you know what I mean? Like, but f fuck you. You're shit. You don't deserve that. He really doesn't. And then it turns out that the person who agrees to sign that young person, Bieber, we'll just call him. Sure. Turns out to be Robert Englund, guy. Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street series, coincidentally. Yeah. Um, not the worst nightmare he's ever been a part of, apparently. It was, yeah. It was this. Um, it, and it's revealed to make him, I think, worse than Ford Fairlane. 
he they do the old oh I recorded you on a microphone that you didn't know was recording and he said I even pissed in the punch bowl I want to make this industry as sleazy as can be he 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 well the so the bad guy's bad guy plot is that he is pirating the music of his own company which you think would make him less money yeah, why wouldn't he do that to his rivals? And why does it take yeah. three CDs? And why are they all looking for the same girl? I never got that. Yeah, I don't know why the girl had any... Why was that girl important at all? I don't understand. Because he goes to... There's like a, a singer that dies in the first scene of the movie and everyone's like, someone killed him instead of not. And then, you know... Yeah, because he had one of them. And I think one of the groupies was the girl that... Johnny Crunch and Colleen were looking for, and she had another yeah. one. And then the guy named Art Mooney or whatever underneath his Hollywood star, that's where the third CD was. Yeah. And then they go and fix it. Really, that's that's it. Oh, I've got I've Honestly. got two more things to okay. add. There's an almost murder of an ugly, deformed-looking uh, koala bear, which watches oh, yeah. TV because that's how he gets paid by his clients somehow. And also, did you notice that Pamela Adlon is one of the pussy? Uh, not the pussycat. Uh, the pussycats. Yeah. No idea. Okay. You know uh, better things, right? Or Louie, look up Pamela Adlin right now. Eh. She's the voice of Spinelli on Recess. Oh. Does she look familiar? Hold on. Doesn't look that familiar. I mean, a lot of people look like that, to be fair, but yeah. Oh, she's uh, on Californication. She's uh, Charlie's wife, the blonde, the bald white guy, his wife. Yeah, Toki Smurf. Everything. She is the one who has the line. I can't because uh, weirdo flashed them at a concert, and he. She said, "I could identify it again. It looked like a penis, only smaller." That's <laughs> Get it? Because emasculation yeah i just wanted to point it out because i was like is that oh it is yep oh boy great uh and then also he asks his assistant to go to one of colleen's parties and she shows up in a well in an underdressed outfit to say it most charitably and he says what did you think was this a date and he literally gropes her breasts like just yep like, what did you think this was? Gwiggy, gwiggy. Like, <laughs> and that's just okay. Well, because, I, because I mean, it's, it's not okay. Lane. But yeah. Because he's a lovable scamp, I guess. Like, But he's not. Just, he's not lovable. I hope he gets drowned overboard by the koala so that they take all of his money. Yeah. Or they crash into the same ship as the cast have swept away and they fight to the death. That'd be good. They, or maybe they can have an orgy on the moon. Who knows? Yeah. Also, there's sure. a Millie Vanilli reference in there. 
Yeah, because, well, you know. And there's a snap about, uh, Ford, I got something to tell you. And he's like, what is it? Premature ejaculation? Oh. Get it? Because he's like 12 or something. Yep. So aside from murdering three people, Ford Fairlane seems like a stand-up guy from prehistoric times. Yeah. Um, also, there's a message left on his answering machine to remind us that he fucks. There's a woman that says, hey, Ford, I'm walking again. Call me. <laughs> That's kind of funny, actually. That's it. Just <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> Not going to lie. That's kind of funny. I mean, not the way that it's delivered, but... Well, no, but it could be. I just, like... I, it makes me wish that this movie was Black Dynamite. Yeah, and went more overboard. Yeah, just... Because <laughs> if it embraced the absurdity of what it actually <coughs> is, then I think it would be more fun. Right. But everyone it, should just watch Black not. Dynamite or yes. Chinatown or The Big Sleep or yeah. literally the Maltese Falcon, or literally any other fucking noir movie. Watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Or whatever that Bruce Willis one that's terrible is. It's way better than this. Oh, the uh, Hudson Hawk? Yep. That's better. More enjoyable. Oh, yeah, that is a noir movie. Yep. Also, I do like the villains in that movie. That movie uh, is so just Aaron. garbage fun. Yeah. Anything else on uh, Ford Fairlane? <laughs> no, there's literally, like, we literally, I watched it and I texted Cameron. And I woke up at fucking 10 o'clock, or I started watching this at 10 o'clock this morning because <laughs> I had to do something at 2. I fucking woke up early and I sat down in front of my computer and I went and watched this fucking movie. And as soon as it was done and I'm like, I, I texted Cameron and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't. We cannot make this a full episode because there's not enough here. It's just him running around being shitty, and then it ends. It just end, like there's there's barely there's barely like a, a story structure. There's like and he just he runs around and says like, "Hey, women, right? I fuck them, ha ha." And then it the, and then the credits happen. Like it's nothing. I did get small, some small ounce of joy when literally everything that he loves gets blown up. That that is that is true. So if you want to see that part, look it up on YouTube. Like I don't, I'm sure there's like a things blow up Ford Fairlane. Uh, yeah, maybe. Anyway, but yeah. Uh, Aaron, does this belong in the catastrophe section? I'm saying no. Yeah, no, no way. No way. And even if you said yes, I would be like, hey, guess who just got 51% of the vote? <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, it so definitely yeah. doesn't. Fuck this movie. Waste of time. Don't watch it ever. Yep. Don't, don't, don't. It was don't. so bad we, we couldn't so do a full episode on it. That's how yeah, bad it is. Yeah, think about that. The only other minisode which we still have in the vault, yep. just because of time stuff, is because we lost an episode. This is the yep. only one that's ever been so bad that we can't think of enough to just groan through it like we did with literally 69 other movies. Yeah, uh, to be fair, about 50 of them were very, very good. Well, or at least watchably good. Yes, I would I'd say at least... I would say there's maybe... 40 one, There's maybe like 15 to 20 that were like, probably not worth watching... 
but we still, there was enough there to form an episode out of. This doesn't even reach that standard. Well, it definitely is a movie. Yep. It exists. That's about all I can say about Pretty it. Pretty much, yeah. If if you know who Andrew Dice Clay is, you'll already know to not watch this. But we did promise that we were going to do this this movie, so we did it still. Yep, we did it. It was mostly because I'd already watched it. Otherwise, I'd been like, I would have been like, hey, Cameron, let's not. And then you don't have to watch it. But we didn't. And then we're here. Mm. Oh, well. But now we can say that we've watched it. Yeah, I mean, we got a we got a li- we got a big list, and we got to cross something off of it. Oh God! Oh boy! Uh, so, moving into our next segment, Aaron. This movie has a certain percentage on Rotten Tomatoes. What is it? Three. Higher. <laughs> I uh, whatever it is, I'm gonna just refute it. So just tell me. Twenty nine. Impossible. Eight fresh, 20 rotten. Not only did it make double digits. (laughs) Not only did it make at least double digits, but the fucker got 20. 23. Fuck you. All right, what's the audience score? Probably 50, something like that. Higher. No. 63, something like that. 67. Oh, no. Fuck off. <laughs> you fucking shitting me. 67% liked it based on an average of 3.2 out of 5, but it is only based on 8,522 votes. Yeah, fuck off. Uh, So, some reviews. I don't understand why Variety has a positive review of it. They gave it uh, surprisingly funny and expectedly rude, the first starring vehicle by vilified comic Andrew Dice Clay has a decidedly ro- lowbrow humor that is sort of modern equivalent to that of the Three Stooges. Yeah, no. I like this one. Rita Kempley, someone who has her head on straight, says it's a slick glorification of hate and loathing that portrays women as sexually promiscuous and men as infantile, violent, and feeble-minded. Also, there's a guy named Brian Orndorff. Orndorff? Who's a critic. He has two reviews out of the 28, and both of them are positive. Oh, great. One from 2010 and one from 2015. Oh, fuck that guy. Um, Cameron, I have some uh, terrible news. What? There's a fucking... He got a TV show in 2016. Yeah, I knew that. I didn't know that. How? Showtime, why? Because Dice... Rules. The Dice Man's back and he's ready to rock. 25 years after taking the entertainment world by storm, Andrew Dice Clay is eager to reclaim his comedy throne. Good fucking luck, you prick. Is that what he called it? A comedy throne? Yeah, I think that's what I call his fucking shitty face. The jackass. Um, let's see. Metacritic gave it a 24. So that's a little bit better. Um, 
Ooh, I do like what Roger Ebert wrote. He wrote, if he wants a future in the movies, Andrew Dice Clay is going to have to play somebody other than himself. Yeah. Sounds right. Oh, and Sawzell710 wrote, gave it a 10 and wrote, the perfect mix of comedy, rock and roll, and nonstop action. A must-see for lovers of hair metal, Los no. Angeles, and, and nope. Los Angeles in the night, 80s and 90s. A must-see. Uh, no. Okay, so this movie cost a certain amount of money to make. Aaron, how much money did it cost to make? Oh, I don't know, 25 mil? Higher. Uh, 35, 40. 40. 40. Okay. I was trying to do the inflation math to be depressed and be like, that's like $120 million nowadays, but I stopped around 2004 because it was just so sad. Yeah. I mean, you can just plug it into the, the Google machines. Yeah. So it's probably in essay, like in excess of about a hundred million dollars audience. Cause it's been 27 years. Uh, but Aaron, how much did it make? Um, a hundred. It made $21.4 million. Yay. Yay, schadenfreude. And it only opened in... Yeah, Clay has claimed in interviews that the film had a successful first weekend before being pulled from theaters under pressure from it being politically correct. In fact... More, you mean you being the film a play- fucking asshole? <laughs> In fact, the film played on more screens during its second weekend than its first, but still, still suffered a almost 54% drop in box office gross. Yep. Oh, so apparently it's about $75 million now. Oh, I didn't know that there was a calculator. That's uh, yep. pretty bad. Yep. And apparently... The film, despite negative reviews in the U.S., the film enjoyed tremendous success in post-communist Hungary, where copies of a pirated dubbed version were widely circulated in the burgeoning VHS market. That's kind of awesome. The film's popularity has been attributed to a high-quality dub starring iconic musician and actor Pharaoh Najee which contains gratuitous use of profanity not found in the original English version. Several lines of dialogue from the film became ingrained in the slang of Hungarian youth culture throughout the 1990s. And in Norway, after its 1992 VHS release, Ford Fairlane became a phenomenon. The catchphrases became hugely popular and it received cult status throughout the 90s. After huge demand in the... From Norwegian audiences, the film was released on DVD in the early 2000s. It was also popular in Spain due to the dub by popular singer, actor, and comedian Pablo Carbonell. That's weird as hell and interesting as fuck. I mean, that's all on Wikipedia, so I'm uh, looking it up to verify it. Well, yeah. And it looks like the hungry thing thing does check out. There's another source for that. Um... Norway. I don't see any sources for that one. 
Oh, here's one. There's a forum on Digital Fix that says Ford Fairlane soon to be released on DVD, but only in Norway. Okay, so apparently the movie was cop was popular there. Um, let's see, uh, Spain, Ford Fairlane film. Ford Fairlane DVD. I'm not seeing any sources for the Spain one, but it looks like the first two check out. The Spain thing can be true, but I can't really source its credibility. Sure. Um, oh, so I want to read one last thing before I go into trivia and the other credits of people. Critic Roger Ebert gave the film one out of four stars, saying that it is loud, ugly, mean-spirited, but also suggested that Clay had the confidence and screen presence for a successful acting career if he can move beyond his own shtick. Yeah, basically. And also being less of a terrible human being. Well, yeah. But that could also just be his thing, you like his joke, you know? I don't yeah. know. I've only seen him as this character, you know what I mean? Like, he could be a regular nice person. Right. And I have I've no seen idea. Him on Entourage, and he was decent in a supporting role in Blue Jasmine a few years ago. Right. But overall, he hasn't gotten a whole lot of opportunity to show other sides of himself. Anyway, moving on into Razzies. Aaron, this movie was nominated for a few Razzies. What was it nominated for, and what did it win for? Uh, probably Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Screenplay. Um, yes, yes, and yes. Uh, I don't know. All right, it won Worst Picture over other Catastrophe Section alum, Ghost Can't Do It, in 1991. Oh. Well, this is worse. It is not nearly as enjoyable. No, you Ghost Can't Do It's You and your damn shotgun. Damn shotgun. <laughs> worst actor for Andrew Dice Clay. Worst screenplay for Daniel Waters, James Cappy, and David Arnott. And it was nominated for Worst Supporting Actor for Gilbert Gottfried for this, Look Who's Talking To, and Problem Child. Worst Supporting Actor for Rennie, I mean, for Wayne Newton and for Rennie Harlan as director. So let's look at other credits and then we'll do trivia. So Rennie Harlan has also directed Die Hard 2. Okay. A Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Sure. Before he did this. Then he directed the Stallone movie Cliffhanger, The Long Kiss Goodnight, Cutthroat Island, Exorcist, The Beginning, Cleaner, The Covenant, 12 Rounds, Five Days of War, episode of, Episodes of Burn Notice, White Collar, Covert Affairs, Graceland. He even directed The Legend of Hercules. Oh. That was the 2014 one that was even worse than The Rock one. Yeah. And now he has a 2018 movie coming out called Legend of the Ancient Sword. Okay, the most generic of titles? Yes. All right. Uh, Daniel, Daniel Waters, uh, one of the screenwriters, is credited for this, Heather's The Hudson Hawk. Ooh, well, there we go. Batman Returns, Demolition Man, a great movie. Yes. Happy Campers and Vampire Academy. James Cappy huh. uh, was a writer on... Oh, mostly TV stuff. Freddy's Nightmares, 
This movie, a series called Dark Justice, Poltergeist, The Legacy, Mortal Kombat, Conquest, Codename Phoenix, and Los Luchadoras. Uh, Rex Weiner, the guy who created the Ford Fairlane comics, has a few really interesting ones. He wrote his only screen credits are for an episode of Miami Vice from 1984, a short called Che's Revenge, the screenplay for a direct-to-DVD movie called Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, Better Watch Out, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane for the character's credit, and a 1990 TV movie called Forgotten Prisoners, The Amnesty Files. Okay. Talk about a varied career. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay doesn't really have a whole lot. He's uh, starring in the upcoming Star is Born remake directed by Bradley Cooper. He's in a show called Happen Leonard now. He was also blacklisted from Hollywood after this movie tanked pretty much. <laughs> he only appeared in a few others. This movie also made it so that... Uh, I'll just read that through in trivia. So let's see. Uh, after many letters of protest from classic car enthusiasts, the film's production company said that the actual Ford Fairlane 57 was not blown up in the explosion. Good. Ooh, in an interview with Movie Line magazine, screenwriter Daniel Waters said that working with Andrew Dice Clay was traumatic. Waters was happy, <laughs> however, that Clay later said that quote-unquote Bobby Rivers wrote the movie and hoped Clay would forever tout this non-existent scribe as the film's writer. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Fairlane comments about being banned by MTV. Andrew Dice Clay really was banned for life from MTV in 1988. The lifetime ban was lifted several years later. Okay. Howard Stern auditioned for the role of Johnny Crunch at Clay's insistence, but did not get it. Producer Joel Silver almost pulled the plug on this movie a few weeks before filming because he thought Andrew Dice Clay looked too fat. That's a ridiculous way to do it. At least three of the band names listed above feature references to earlier movies produced by Joel Silver. Ellen Amon, The Attackers, is the band fronted by Diane Lane and Streets of Fire. Nakatomi Boys Choir is a reference to Die Hard. And the main location of that story was Nakatomi Plaza. And Alba Varden is the name of the South African's vessel in Lethal Weapon 3. All right. Um, in the original re theatrical release, and can be heard on the soundtrack, track number nine, Unbelievable... Ford's toll-free number was original 1-800-PERFECT, not 1-800-UNBELIEVABLE. 1-800-UNBELIEVABLE was dubbed over for the video release, probably due to 1-800-PERFECT containing seven letters, which would translate to an actual phone number. If you listen to the video release, you can hear an obvious difference between 1-800 and UNBELIEVABLE, where it was dubbed over. Yeah. Uh, Rennie, director Renly Harlan used his own Ferrari in the beginning of the film as the car in which the blonde twins are picked up in. Okay. Um, then there's a list of bands from Grendel's Bogus Fred's Condom Factory. Also, there's a condom factory in this movie. 
Oh, the film's box office failure and Andrew Dice Clay's incendiary public image led to 20th Century Fox relinquishing distributing rights to his later NC-17 rated concert film Dice Rules, which they had planned for a Christmas 1990 release. And, unfortunately, director Rennie Harlan, uh, who directed Die Hard 2, he was hired based on for his work on the film, began filming two months after this completed principal photography, but was released one week earlier in, in cinemas. Uh, and that's everything. Yeah. So uh, let's give an update on our episode 70. Geostorm came out two weeks ago. Our episode is coming out. So far, it has made almost $29 million in North America, and it has made $153 million and a half dollars, excuse me, overseas for a total of $182,370,341 thus far, making it a commercial flop. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we'll keep you posted on that. Aaron, we need to talk about what we're reviewing next time. Yes. On episode 71. So no more out of order bullshit that we're doing. Yes. Blood and chocolate. Yes. Yes, that's right. Want to tell them a little bit about that movie, Aaron? Uh, it's a vampire. It's like a vampire fuck movie like the Twilight. But instead of vampires, it's werewolves. That's it. Yep. Yep. Uh, I remember seeing trailers for it in theaters and And uh, laughing out loud in the theater. It was like, that could be okay, but I guess, oh, never mind. It's got that title. And it's called Blood and Chocolate. And then the the whole theater always just laughed. Yep. So we're going to bring that to you next time, hopefully with a guest. Yep. All right. So, uh, that closes us out for Ford Fairlane. Thank God that's over. Yeah, I don't. I never have to think about Andrew Dice Clay's shitty fucking manness again. But Aaron, don't you just want to be like him, like that kid does? No. Why not? Take a fucking guess. But Aaron, he fucks. Yeah, probably. I'd rather not fuck if it means that I don't have to be like Andrew Dice Clay. That's fair. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> All right, so uh, Ford Fairlane, Ford Fairlane. He's a prick, a and movie, I don't Ford like Fairlane. him. He, he should die. He's day. terrible. Fuck Andrew does play. He is really bag. bad. His character isn't <laughs> funny at all. He's just like our president. President sex criminal? Yep, president sex criminal. Oh, boy.